0: I want to help us to understand the text by talking a little bit about faith first. And I'm going to do this in a roundabout way. Have you ever made anything for yourself and was proud of it? Okay? How, whether it's a you knitted a sweater or built a uh, piece of furniture or, you know, changed a major, like, I don't know, did your brakes or something on your car? How many of us have ever set out to do a project, a big project, planned it, did it, put the finishing touches on it, and it came out well? Okay, I'm preaching to the right crowd then. Isn't that a great feeling? When you think of something to do, you plan it, you do it, and it comes out great. Isn't that a great feeling? I remember when... Laura and I were uh, first-time housing uh, home buyers. This was before we had kids. We bought this old house. Um, it was built somewhere between 1900 and 1920. Very good, structurally sound house, but it, 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 needed, uh, it just needed all kinds of cosmetics. We had to rip the carpet out, the wallpaper out, whatever. But w- in the backyard, it had this fairly new, large, in-ground pool. Now, I had no idea how to open or take care of this pool, and here it was... Like the Memorial Day, you know, heading into June and you're supposed to uh, uncover your pool and I just had no idea and so I'm, I'm, I'm ask, looking for advice and some people said, you know, what? maybe you should hire a pool service the first time. You know, ask them a lot of questions, watch them open it, take notes, you're all set for next year. So I c- called around a few places, they wanted 350 $400 for that. I thought by the time I scrape up enough money, it'll be winter. And so... So I, I said, the only way to do this is for me to do it. Now, it was one of those like tension covers that had the, you know, you use a lever and you put the springs on and, you know, it's supposed to hold a baby elephant in the middle of it. I don't know if you guys know that, but I, didn't, I never bought the baby ele- elephant idea, but uh, it did hold Sam when he chased a ball out into the cover once. So, um, but um, anyways, um, I went to the pool store. I asked a lot of advice to, from the pool clerk, bought my materials, and in 24 hours, I had that pool cover open, cleaned, and the water was sparkling. It was amazing. This, it looked like a great, refreshing pool. The only problem was we had to wait till Christmas for the shock to die down, because I uh, <laughs> put a little bit too much in. But I was proud of this. I did it myself, and for $54... And if you were uh, a friend of mine or a family member, anytime you came over that summer, the first thing I'd show you is take you around to the back and say, look at this awesome pool. Isn't, that, isn't it clean? Don't you want to swim in it? I was proud. You know, we had these moments like that. And uh, we, just, we, we just feel the pride of good workmanship. And um, a couple weeks ago, we were preaching at... I, I was I was uh, leading a devotional at Creation Station talking about creation, and I wonder, you know, how proud was God of His handiwork? If you think of all that He made, from the crazy little insects and and animals, and that, that you love to watch on the the uh, BBC or you know, Planet Earth or the Deep Blue, to uh, to these you know space exploration um, documentaries that that talk about. Planets and moons and solar systems and galaxies in the plural. The Bible sums it up by saying God made the heavens and the earth. Talk about the job satisfaction that God must have had. If I was God, I would really, really, really want to show that off. I'd be very proud of my creation. Not only would I be proud of it, but I, I probably want to etch my name at the bottom of every tree or, or maybe uh, you know somehow put my signature in the clouds or something. But God doesn't do this. He doesn't boast. He doesn't brag. He doesn't carve his name into his creation. He doesn't have to. Just put any human being with a beating heart at the base of the Grand Canyon looking up. And there's that sense of awe and wonder. The sense that we are so small and insignificant. I grew up in, in New England, and if you go in the, the White Mountains region in the end of September, and, and you stand on any peak in, in, the, in the range, and you look out over the valley, and sometimes, if the foliage is right, it looks like the valley is on fire. The reds are red, the oranges are bright, the yellows are crisp. And it develops in you this sense of awe, oh, Even if folks wouldn't consider themselves a Christian who don't believe God, they feel the necessity in those situations to praise someone. They usually say, Mother Nature or Earth. It's the way God wired human beings to be able to enjoy and respond to His creation. That same glory we feel when we look out at the ocean when we see a horizon from the top of a mountain, when we watch a beautiful sunset, I want to argue is the same feeling that we were created to feel on a regular basis. Get ready for this. Just as God shows off through His creation, He desires to show off Through you and me. I believe this is what this miracle is preaching. God wants to show off through you and me. I want to challenge you this evening with this definition of faith faith is expecting God to show off in your life. Faith is expecting God to show off in your life. In the next few minutes, I'm asking you that you give me the opportunity to change your thinking about faith. See, faith is a word that can mean a whole lot of different things depending on who uses it and when. We sometimes use it in the place of the word religion. What faith are you? We sometimes use it in the place of hope or trust. I have faith that you can do it. I have faith that you can make it. Or sometimes we mean, we'll use it to mean that someone hasn't broken his vows or cheated on their spouse. He has been faithful. She has been faithful. But if you look through the New Testament, you'll see that most of the time, Jesus doesn't use it any of these ways. Most of the time, Jesus uses it to mean the level of expectation someone has for God the level of expectation you have for God See, faith expects God to show off in your life in our passage we read we see that these guys did not have that kind of faith they're out in the boat it's dark they're rowing the wind is buffeting the, the boat. They're struggling to make it anywhere. There's waves. There's wind. They're afraid. And when they see Jesus, they're terrified, it says. They're not expecting Jesus to show off through their lives here. They think, actually Matthew tells us that they thought it was he was a ghost. They weren't expecting Jesus to do something miraculous at this point. All they feel is the darkness. All they see is the waves. All they hear is the wind. It seems that everyone's paralyzed by fear except for one person, Peter. For some reason, Peter gets it right. He relies on what he knows about Jesus and says, if it's you, Lord... Call me out on the water. <laughs> if you think about it, that's like a dumb thing to do, isn't it? But Peter has faith that expects God to show off through him. He expects a miracle from Jesus, at least for a moment. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says this about faith. He's praying for the Christians living in Thessalonica, and he prays this prayer. He prays that by the By his power, God may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Let me say that again. This is what Paul is praying. That by his power, God may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. Basically, what Paul is praying, he's saying, May God show off through you when you expect him to show off. That's what he's praying. I'm not exactly sure why God works that way, but more often than not, God moves because someone believes. Now, there's exceptions to this, like a couple of weeks ago when Reverend Scheringer talked about the paralytic on the mat, where he had no faith at all, and, God, and Jesus healed him anyways, but then he went and got himself in a whole bunch of trouble, and Jesus ends up rebuking him. Sometimes... God just graces us and acts despite our faith level. But oftentimes, there is a link between our faith and God's movement in our life. Matthew tells a story from Jesus' life when two blind men hear that Jesus is coming. And they can't see him, but they know he's coming. And so they keep shouting, Jesus, Jesus, son of David. And the crowd shushes him up, and the disciples try to shush him up. And the more they get shushed, the louder these two guys shout. And Jesus asks them, he hears them, goes over to them, and asks them, Do you believe that I can heal you? Yes, the two blind men replied. Do you know what Jesus says next? Let it be done according to your faith. And the two men open their eyes and see. Jesus basically says, do you want me to show off in your life? Then let it be done according to your expectancy level. And these guys expected Jesus to heal him. Now, no way am I saying that all you have to do is believe and whatever you want, you will get. I'm not saying that at all. And I'm not saying, hey, you know, stop visiting the doctor, just pray and you'll be healed. I'm not saying that. What I am pointing out is that the Bible shows us that God will accomplish His purposes in people who expect Him to. When we believe that God can do the impossible, it frees us up for God to work in us to do the impossible. Not too long ago, I had lunch with a friend, and he was telling me that He couldn't find the motivation to pray anymore. He said, God has stopped answering my prayers. And I said, let's call him Joe, so no one's guessing who it is. Maybe it's a girl, maybe it's a guy, I don't know. Let's call him Joe. I said, Joe, when you pray, do you expect God to answer you? And he thought for a moment and said, You got me. You know, I don't. And he thought for a little bit. And he said, You know what? I'm so overwhelmed by my circumstances, I really don't show much faith in God at all. And it opened up for a little bit of conversation. And being the pastorally sensitive guy that I am, I said, Can I use you in the next sermon? The point Joe brings out is that if you don't expect for God to show up, chances are he won't. You might get graced like the paralytic on the mat. I heard a pastor once say, what is God doing in your life? You don't even have to answer that, I know. He's doing what you expect him to be doing. If God's doing nothing in your life, It's because you're expecting him to do nothing. Is God doing a ton in your life? Well, you must be expecting God to work in your life. One thing I think... um, Let me backtrack a little bit. Faith is expecting God to show off through us. Second thing is... Faith is not blind, but it's not afraid of what it sees. Faith isn't blind, but it's afraid of it's not afraid of what it sees. One thing I think people often mistake about Christianity that is, faith is a, is a blind leap. You can't see God. We can't just call him up on the phone and in, in a hear your voice respond exactly to my message kind of way. So it's a it's a leap of faith. In some sense, faith is blind. We can't physically see God. Yeah. But there's far more proof that God exists than that he doesn't exist. I think atheism is truly blind faith. Atheism is going through life, believing that God doesn't exist without a shred of evidence of his non-existence. In fact, there's so much in our human experience that says otherwise. You have to ignore all that to say you're not, God doesn't exist. You're not going to believe in God. When we act in faith we may, we may not be able to see what's ahead but we know God does and we also know God through his word through his spirit in us when peter decided to step out of the boat and onto the water he couldn't see what would support him he wasn't saying oh look there's a shark right there and if i step right on his fin i'll be walking on water he steps out on faith But it's not blind faith. Peter had witnessed firsthand miracles that Jesus performed. He heard Jesus teaching crowds. He heard Jesus teaching in the synagogues. He watched Jesus heal his mother-in-law. It wasn't blind faith. Peter knew that Jesus was the one, the one sent from God, the Messiah. And so he's stepping out on faith, but it's not blind faith. He knew that Jesus was the one and expected God to show off. He expected God to allow him to break the the laws of buoyancy and gravity and cohesion and whatever other laws that he was breaking. And he did. Peter walked on water. Isn't that amazing? He was out of the boat. He was walking on water. But then... He let his senses override his faith. And I think this is where we often fall fall prey to as well. He's out there. He has his faith. He's expecting God to show off for him. He says, call me out on the water, God. Jesus. Jesus calls him out and he's doing it. He's walking on water. But then he smells the, the ocean. He feels the spray. He hears the wind. He feels the wind. And after a few steps, it says he walked towards Jesus. He starts to sink. And he starts to panic. And he cries out, Lord, save me. And Jesus has to reach down and pull him up and pull them both onto the boat. Peter let his senses overrule what he was, knew was true about God. Romans 1:17 says this about us Christians. It says the righteous will live by faith. I love this. It, it doesn't say the righteous will live by proper planning and execution. It doesn't say the righteous will live by the good things that they can do. It says the righteous will live by faith faith and they know who God is and what God can accomplish Peter started out in faith but as soon as he saw the waves and heard the wind felt the spray he lost his expectancy to walk on water and began to sink the moment we let our eyes and our ears take over our fears will destroy our faith how many times has this ever happened to you you're talking with a friend or a coworker, and then they bring up God and you feel the Holy Spirit's nudging you To say something. A millisecond after God nudges you, your sight and your senses take over. And you begin thinking thoughts like, what if that person thinks I'm a religious fanatic or some kind of holy ruler? I'll kill my witness. I'll kill our relationship. And then the fear causes you to say nothing. And therefore, God doesn't accomplish things through that conversation. Are you willing to risk failure? Are you willing to sacrifice, to step beyond your comfort zone? Risk people's opinions of you? If the answer is yes, then you're ready to be used by God. A good friend of mine, I met him in seminary. We were roommates together, and we've been good friends ever since. He was in our wedding. I hope to be in his wedding someday. He's an eligible bachelor, if anyone's uh, looking for eligible bachelors who are mature Christians. Um, but he uh, is at this job that he doesn't really li- like. It's kind of a dead-end job. It's a large company, but the spot he in, he's in is capped. Um, and so he's been praying for God to... to um, just help him out vocationally. And uh, he gets this um, opportunity for a new position with a new company. And so he calls me up and says, Mike, start praying for this. I, this looks like a great deal. The job looks great. The pay is great. I, I think I, I'm really interested in this. And so Laura and I start praying for Cliff and he has the interview gets a job offer right on the spot. He's very excited about this. He has to give two weeks' notice for his other job, and so he tells his boss that day. <laughs> he must, I can't remember. <laughs> I think he must have interviewed on his lunch break or something. But he tells the boss, hey, i gotten this job offer. It's pretty good. I'm going to take it. I want to give you my two weeks' notice. Later that day, he just starts feeling really heavy about it. It just really gets this bad feeling in his gut. And the longer the day goes, the worse it gets. He goes home at night, and he just can't shake it. And so he prays. He says, God, I asked you for confirmation about this job, and I'm feeling awful. So if you don't want me to take it, I won't take it. And the next day, he calls up the guy who gave him the offer, and he says, I decided not to take it. Most people would think, you are crazy. Just as they thought Peter was crazy for stepping out in the boat. And immediately after he told us, the nagging was gone. He just fell at peace. He goes into work. He finds out that his boss has just quit. And not only that, there's a great position opened in the company. He could keep his, uh, his salary progression and get this new job. And he applies and gets it. The righteous will will live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7 also tells us, live by faith, not by sight. God is always looking for faithful men and women to be used by him. People who are exercising their faith give God pleasure. It tells us that in Hebrews eleven six 6. It says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. We please God by ex- exercising faith. Exercising faith is expecting God to work in our lives. It says, because anyone who comes to me, who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. It's part of how we experience God, enjoy God, glorify God another one of my favorite faith verses from the Old Testament 2nd Chronicles 16 9 the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his God is looking for people to say call me out of the boat call me out of the boat doing this hero thing now, um, uh, these devotions um, with uh, Sam and Ben, we're kicking off tomorrow with Jonathan, and if they're paying attention, I'm going to give it away a little bit, but there's a story where Jonathan says, hey, let's go after these Philistines, and it's just him and his armor bearer, just two guys, only one of them has a sword, and these Philistines, there are dozens of them, and they're up the cliff, And and Jonathan says, I think God wants us to to sack those guys. I think God wants us to clear them out. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to call them up. And if they say, stay where you are, we're coming after you, we'll, get, we'll hightail it out of here. But if they say, come up to us, then we know that God has given um, them to us. And so they call out to them, hey, Philistines. And they say, I'm sure it wasn't like that, but. <laughs> and the Philistine says, come up, you dogs, so that we may deal with you. And Jonathan says, let's go. And they climb up this cliff. They only have one sword, and they just clean house. Jonathan said, Lord, call me out of the boat. And God called him out of the boat, and he prevailed for Israel. And that started a rout in the camp that God just infused with confusion, and the Israelites drive out the Philistines, all because Jonathan Expects God to show off through him. It's all over the Bible. It's everywhere. Faith is much more than intellectual belief, it's heart belief. Do you believe that God wants to use you, that God wants to work in you? If you do, he will. Last point. Faith only fails if you don't have it. Out of all the people on the boat that day, who do you think was the biggest failure? I don't think it was Peter. He's the only person in history apart from Jesus who has ever walked on water. Isn't that amazing? That's something cool to put on the resume. Sure, he only walked a few steps and then almost drowned, but he walked there were 11 other guys sitting in that boat that were either too afraid to move or were sitting there wishing they had enough faith to do what Peter did. Now, we look at Jesus' words, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And it sounds harsh, it sounds discouraging, but I don't think they're meant to be negative. I think this was a significant teaching time in Peter's life. And like a father who's teaching his son, Jesus is saying to Peter, why did you doubt? You were walking. Where was your faith? You had it, but then it was gone. Peter wasn't a failure. Faith only fails when it's afraid to follow God, when it's afraid to risk for God. The question I want to end with is this. How much Do you choose to believe God? May we live our lives knowing wholeheartedly that Jesus is the creator of the universe, not bound by any opinion or any restrictions. And may we expect him to show off in our life.